Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. My guest today is Eric Holtzclaw. Eric is a serial entrepreneur who truly understands that marketing requires discipline, consistency, and strategy. As the chief strategist and dojo master at Liger, he is the resident expert in guiding businesses to find their identities and core values, craft their visions, and establish their brands. Eric also hosts The Claw Podcast, where he interviews business owners and entrepreneurs to discuss their goals. He has contributed to magazines and online publications and wrote the book, Laddering, Unlocking the Potential of Consumer Behavior. This is going to be a great conversation today. Eric, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. So I want to learn a little bit more about your background, what you guys do, and what makes you so awesome. The business, we do a lot of B2B work and M&A and things like that. So, yeah. All right. So really cool. So one of the cool things that, uh, you know, that you've been working on, right, is that I see that you're working with a lot of video. Yeah. And what's interesting about video is that, first of all, all of our kids are born with these nifty little devices in their hands. So they're all recording stuff in 4K. And I think it's about time to get us adults to do the same thing. <laughs> How did all that come about? Right. What are your thoughts on, you know, helping brands and companies getting involved with that as well? So, I mean, that's a big thing for B2B. So they're not as open to putting someone out front. And you really have to do that in today's world in order for you to get attention because no one wants to buy from a company. They want to buy from individuals. So it is one of the struggles that we have when we're talking with a client around, hey, so we need to take some of your leaders and understand what their opinions are. And they've got to be willing to whip out that cell phone and take some impromptu video because that's really what plays better at the end of the day. So it is an interesting hurdle specifically on the B2B side because they see it for business to consumer brands brands, but B2B brands are a little bit late to the party. They're still doing some things that are some old school tactics. Why do you think that B2B companies are late to this? Is it just that they were traditionally used to hiding behind their corporate veil and didn't really have to get out there? Or do you think that there's something a little bit deeper going on? Well, I mean, there's that, right? Like they were used to it being about the brand and not coming up with your age, but knowing mine. So I know when I started with my business about the business brand and then there were people behind it. Now you want to know who runs the company and understand there's a brand behind them. Change that happened kind of 2008 was kind of a watershed year for that. And it's really not about B2B or B2C. It's human to human, right? So we're a human selling something to another human. And in the B2B space, I think it's more important because it's based on relationship. So if I make a B2B decision, I could lose my job. I could look stupid in front of my boss. So the decision is way more risky than it is on the B2C side. So I honestly want to know more who I'm buying from on the B2B side than I do on the B2C because if I don't like that car, I just never will buy from that auto dealer again. No big deal. But if I purchase a piece of software that my company is going to use, 
I could be stuck with that for a long time and that relationship has to be strong. So who is it that's going to support me in that B2B space to make sure I'm successful? That's really interesting that you bring that up because you know, knowing who your partner is on the other side is really important, right? And we're not just talking about some spokes model or someone who's been classically trained in order to go out there and be picture perfect. I mean, geez, just look at me. I'm the one that stuttered in high school, right? Like what kind of business do I have being in front of a microphone, right? <laughs> and also moving over to video has been one of the scariest things, at least for me, that, you know, in my business, because I was also hiding behind the brand. I remember a time when I was all excited that I had an 800 number, right? So that people yeah. thought that I had a bigger company than I really was. And it was just like, well, no, that doesn't work anymore. Like who cares? Right. Yeah. And what happens is I think now we also have this plethora of channels that we can go to on our own. You know, no longer do we are the channels, just the big three TV networks here in the United States. Now you have all these different cable stations and you have all these different video platforms that you can go to as well. Each one of those is a different neighborhood onto themselves. So let me yeah, ask you this then. Absolutely. How do you help companies then figure out like, should I be on Facebook? Should I be on LinkedIn? Should I be on YouTube? Should I be pointing at invisible things on TikTok? Like where does that come from? <laughs> well, so our advice is that you, you do pick a platform where your customers are and those customers could be in Facebook or LinkedIn or TikTok or any of those other places. But what's, almost more important than the platform you pick is that you pick multiple platforms because you don't own the platform. And so once you put content out on that platform and something, let's say happens to it, I mean, there used to be a thing called MySpace. Who knows what's going on with Twitter right now? If all of your credibility, all of your time has been spent just on that one platform and something happens to it, you lose all of that. So you need to hedge your bets and make sure that you're thinking of at least two, maybe three, and that you're getting your content out across of those so that you're not investing too much time and too much into one of them. One of the interesting points that you bring up is not only do we have these multiple platforms, but in 100% of the cases, you do not own that platform, right? No one here owns a TV station. No one here owns Facebook, right? And you go south of the terms and conditions on any of these platforms and they will take you off in a second, right? And usually yep. there's no recourse or the recourse takes this whole process of weeks, if not months to do. So you really have to be cognizant of if I'm going to be putting out content on this channel, I have to know their rules. I have to play by their terms and conditions and also have a backup because if you become too dependent on Facebook, for example, that's a problem if Facebook all of a sudden decides to shut you down. So Thank you so yeah, much. Things turn in a dime. It's fickle, right? It's a fickle world. So all of a sudden something falls out of favor and then you've lost that channel. I want to switch gears for a second and talk about how to do this, right? I think our kids have mastered this, right? You know, where they just get up and, you know, take their selfies and do their streaks and do their things like that. I'm probably already dating myself just by saying that, right? But, <laughs> but one of the things that I found was, especially when I started going live with this podcast, right, is uh, you really got to be quick on your feet. Uh, you know, you have to know what it is that you want to say. You have to be able to present. And I would say most of us already have parts of that ability, if not have mastered that ability, uh, you know, just to wing your way through it, right? One of the interesting things about your one big tip is following the rules of improv. Right. So I have never gotten up on stage and done improv. I, I've enjoyed it. Right. You know, I can see how that would work. But what's interesting is that basically what we're talking about is that you're going to improvise your way through making your content. 
that almost doesn't seem right. And I'd like to get your take on that. Yeah. So, I mean, my one big tip around being yes is really just a general yes to life. Like I have a tendency to say yes to almost anything because, you know, you want to try it once. And it's also as an entrepreneur, if a client wants you to do something, you're like, yes, and then you'll figure it out. And so following those improv, improv is about continuing the conversation, keeping it open. Because the second you say no, or the second you say, but you've shut something down. Improv teaches you to say yes. And it allows you to extend the conversation. It keeps it open. It doesn't mean that you've negated any other opinion. Like you're sort of just building upon it. You've really become part of that conversation. So it's a really great way of thinking of not only creating content, but also just like leading your life. So I think I've uh, built an entire career around just just saying yes. Like somebody's like, Hey, could your company do this? Yeah, we could do that. And then we go figure out how to do it. <laughs> okay. So we're in. not, so, uh, all right. So let's be clear. We're not talking about this in the context of selling vaporware, right? Vaporware is, no, 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 uh, is no, no, software no, yeah. that hasn't been created yet. And we're not talking about this, you know, just winging it and, you know, just th- throwing the proverbial poop against the wall and seeing what sticks. Right. So when you're talking improv to a B2B client, what goes through their head and how does that conversation manifest itself and how do you turn it around then to your favor? Well, I mean, so our mission statement as a company is saving the world from boring, broken marketing and typically marketing specifically for B2B companies falls in one of those two categories. It's super boring because I think that they've got to show, you know, big vision pictures of, Oh, you could go accomplish this, whatever. No one really pays attention to that. Right. So like, how do you do something? Cause improv is about sort of making you think differently. Like what is that? And what would that context be? So as a B2B company, how can you think about it in a different way? This, so you're going to stand out. Like I want a visceral reaction. I either want to hate it or love it. And then if you get into the and side of it, what you're doing is including, like, it's not that you're saying that you have to necessarily make choice as much as you can include something within an, uh, an, ex- an existing realm. So B2B companies often feel like they're in these boxes and, you know, they're definitively different from one of their competitors or whatever. And that's just not true. And so as they can think about being a little bit more open in that, they can bring more people into the conversation to then educate them about why they're the right choice. So what's interesting about doing something like that, especially if you're going to put a figurehead or, you know, someone who's going to maybe inflect some of their own personal um, biases into that conversation. Like, how would you help them manage through that? Because all it takes now is for one person to do one tweet that offends more than two people. And, you know, we got cancel culture going on and, it, you know, everyone just seems to be like they either go from one extreme to, well, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to offend anybody where, you know, they do want to put some information out and they do want to be edgy and they do want to be heard. And part of that is drumming up that, uh, you know, drumming up that speed. How do you help companies uh, figure that part out? Well, you've got to think about the thought leaders you're putting in place. So your company has a personality. Every company has some type of personality. And so the type of thought leader you're using should map to that personality. So if we use like Gary V, he's a very you know, he'll say whatever, he's okay with cussing, all those kind of things, but you compare him to like a Marcus Lemonis, who's very much sort of, uh, you know, very, very careful, very caring of people. Like those personalities are very different. And so the thought leaders for their companies need to be different. So when you're thinking about your company, you're going to put forth a thought leader that is in line with what your brand represents, what it does, how it fits, and giving them some guardrails as to how they live within it 
but the best thought leaders are going to be very close to the brand that they are representing. That's really interesting. So as you're going through this process and you're helping set up those, like you said, those guardrails, you're, you know, and trying to figure out who that persona is going to be, what's the process for figuring that out? I mean, do you have like a shorthand for, you know, things to look out for, things not to look out for? How does that look? Yeah. I mean, well, so number one, you can't fake it. So like if you're going to build your brand's persona, you already have one. You just have to identify what it is. Now you can be aspirational and that aspirational will take some time, but you have to really understand who you are today. And so we have a proven discovery process that we take clients through that gets us to define the words for the brand. Like what do those words mean? Uh, what does their persona look like? You know, how do they kind of present themselves into the world and how do they talk about themselves? And it has to be form because if it isn't, then it feels inauthentic. And then, you know, they're just, they're just doing it for the marketing. They're just doing it for the, you know, for people to pay attention to them. And those things don't last. So if it is authentic, then it's going to be absorbed by your internal employees and carried forward. It's all those intangibles about a brand that, you know, you can't describe, but you know. So like my great example is there's a business partner I worked with before. He and I were both the same age, same income, owned the same company. He was a Dunkin' Donuts guy and I'm a Starbucks guy. And they both sell coffee. Like They both sell coffee. That's what they do. But he didn't really go to Starbucks and I don't go to Dunkin' Donuts because we get ourselves more closely to what those brands do, how they kind of stand in the world. And that's how people feel comfortable with choosing to work with a company. That's really interesting. So let me follow up with this then. Can you walk us through sort of like a case study, don't need to drop names, but how you brought a company that maybe was a little bit lost in this perspective and through the coaching and the training that you guys have provided have been able to you know, achieve a much greater outcome for their business? Yeah. So we do a lot of M&A. So companies that are buying other companies. And so one of our clients is a company called GenCap. It's J-E-N-C-A-P. We help them merge 17 businesses up underneath their umbrella brand. And the way we did that, we had to bring all the previous presidents of the companies together. We have a card sorting exercise and we made them all break up into groups and card sort what GenCap would be about and what it would look like. You know, it was interesting to see where there were differences and get them to talk about it. So it is kind of like group therapy. <laughs> so, you know, like if we were to describe this brand and the brand walked in the room, what would be the words we would use? Why would we use them? You know, there's some other activities we do, one called cocktail party, which is really fun about the brand going to a cocktail party and how it would act and what it would look like. So some of those things get us to get agreement within the room. And instead of just using a word that no one knows the definition for, you've fully described it. So when I say this word, now you and I both know that we mean the same thing. And that allows us to bring them to some level of clarity and then also create that persona around it in a very strong way. You know, that's an excellent and succinct way to describe it, right? Because just thinking about it in a group therapy uh, type of environment, basically what you're doing is that, first of all, you're making sure that everyone's speaking the same language. I know for a fact that sometimes when I'm making a presentation, I can, you know, throw off a few terms and it could mean something totally different to them. And, you know, we do have to make sure that we're speaking that same language. So I really appreciate you articulating that part. My one real quick favorite example on that is if I said, let's go skiing, you may have just thought of snow skiing and I thought of water skiing. So you have to know what we mean by that. Cause if we both show up at the car, we may have completely different things. I'm going to bring a swimsuit and suntan lotion and you may bring, you know, skis and a jacket. <laughs> so I love it. I love it. Uh, Eric, where can people learn more about your company and how can they get reach out to you directly if they want to learn more? 
So LigerPartners.com is the company uh, URL. So that's here on the screen. So go to LigerPartners.com. I'm, of course, on LinkedIn, Eric V. Holtzclaw. Love to link in with you there and talk, those types of things. Also on Twitter, not as much as I used to be, but you can find me there. I do have a very large following on Twitter, but favorite platform to connect on right now is, is probably LinkedIn. Amazing. Eric, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a lot of fun. I love talking about this stuff and I really appreciate you breaking down these concepts for us today. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable One Big Tip, please go to onebigtip.com guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.